0: Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. On today's podcast, we sit down with Nicole Cade, lead pastor of Valley Christian Center in Albany, Oregon. Nicole joins us to share what she learned after she stepped into leadership in a traditional church and steadily reshaped the congregation around mission. You can check her out at vccalbany.com. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us. All right, so we're going live, and I'm just going to jump in. Is that yep. cool? Yep. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. This is Alan Bradford, Knoxville, Tennessee. Terry, is she Austin, Texas? Hey, Terry. Hey, buddy, what's up? Matt, doing well. And Brenna in Albany, Oregon. Brenna, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. I've had to switch to tea this afternoon, and Ted Lasso is right. It's brown water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes, water dressed in brown. Yes. yes, it's all right. It's okay. Maybe you're just not getting the right tea, but that's okay. It's it's because you're working with with a bunch of Brits, right? Is I am working with a
1: bunch of Brits, and I am drinking Terry Ishi's favorite tea, what
0: which is, is that?
1: What it's is that? it's the sweet and spicy. It's
0: the sweet and spicy. That's uh-huh. amazing. Uh-huh. That's,
1: that's actually really spice. good. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Very nice. Well, Brenna, so here's my question for you. Your favorite thing about Albany, Oregon. Tell me what your favorite thing is.
1: Well, one of them we're going to talk to today. Uh, my favorite thing about Albany, Oregon, um, I love living in this valley where there's all of these beautiful vineyards and places to go see. We can go to mountains. We can go to the coast. If we want to hop up and do some city things, we can do that up in Portland. Uh, but yeah. we get to live in this beautiful little part of the valley where there's... There's a lot of agriculture and vineyards and mountains and rivers, and it's just an incredibly beautiful place to visit. I just saw somebody on social media this week had visited Oregon for the first time, and they are like, okay, I see.
0: Like, People don't know. Oregon's great. Yeah. You said vineyard quite a couple of times. It so really is just about the wine, right? It's about, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I did. I I really am leaning hard on those vineyards. They're lovely. They're just beautiful to go sit at and just have a moment. And uh, they're just great places. And right now, it's yeah. sunny. Oregon in October is like this magical sunny time. Would you agree, Nicole? Yeah.
2: Yes, I would. It's absolutely beautiful here.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, from Albany, Oregon, Nicole Cade. Welcome, Nicole. Glad to have you with us.
2: Thank you. So glad to be here today.
0: Yeah. Well, Nicole, tell us a little bit about you.
2: I serve as the senior pastor at Valley Christian Center uh, here in Albany, Oregon, and um, I have been doing that for the last five years. My husband and I have four daughters, um, one married to college and one in high school. And so we are living the exciting life of many different lives. So <laughs> that's really good. I serve as a pastor, but um, I'm doing something that I thought I would never do. And I'm doing something that I thought I should never do. But it has been an amazing journey that the Lord has taken me on. And since I've said yes to him, I feel like I'm experiencing all that he not only has for me, but all that he has um, for those people that I serve in my church family.
1: Let me. Can I talk about Nicole for just a second, Al? Of
3: course. uh,
1: Nicole has, uh, Nicole and I get to live on the more daily together. We're both here in Albany um, and we meet regularly with a group of other pastors in the area to encourage one another. And for me personally, Nicole has been an incredible encouragement because in the time that I was sorting out where I was called as a woman in leadership, Nicole was forging ahead and she was stepping into those places and she was doing it with such grace and with such love. And to have somebody locally to rub shoulders with and to watch go ahead and to process things with, what an absolute gift. And Nicole has been a gift to me, a gift to other pastors in the area. And I'm so excited to share her story here today and for everyone to hear a little bit about what God has been doing. With through Nicole at Valley Christian Center, uh, it's an incredible story.
0: Yeah, well, Nicole, let me let me ask you this because you kind of like laced that little introduction with with a big question. You said uh, you're a senior pastor. You were doing something you never thought you could do. So so unpack that for me a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'll just give you a quick little recap. So uh, I like to say that stepping into this role was purely accidental on my part and purely purposeful on God's part. So uh, do you ever say things and then you're in hindsight, you're like, wow, I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's okay. So I, I like to joke a little bit that I, um, I serve in this position um, because of my dog. So I had a dog run away in the second grade and I prayed for two weeks um, and I said, Lord, pr- please bring back my dog Smokey. And at the end of that two weeks, I said, Lord, if you bring me back my dog, I will do whatever you ask me to do. <laughs> And the next day my dog showed up. <laughs> so now fast forward it to about um, 17, 18 years ago. And my husband and I, um, we I had grown up in the church. He had not. But we were on this journey of just on fire following Jesus. And we had young girls. And so we would spend... Hours a week, we would put our daughters to bed and then we would just spend time in the living room and we would just read our Bible. We would listen to worship music. Um, And really what we are doing is just growing in our discernment, our ability to recognize God's voice. And we were recognizing that not only is God real, but He wants to speak to us, and He has many invitations for us throughout the day. And so we were this, in this amazing season where we were seeing that that God had something for each of us. And one day, um, my husband, as we're sitting there praying, he looks up at me, and his eyes are about this big. And I look at him, and he goes, um, you are going to be the next senior pastor at Valley Christian Center. And I said, I am not, I am a girl. (laughs) And then um, I closed my eyes and I begged God, no, because I knew my husband heard the voice of the Lord. And I just, I had no theological grid for it. And I just said, no, God, I go, I know I told you I would do whatever you asked me to do, but I cannot do this. People will make fun of me. It will be horrible. So we never mentioned it to anyone. And then um, you fast forward that probably another 10 years. My husband and I had an opportunity to go to a leadership school for nine months while we were a part of our church family here at Valley Christian Center. And when we came home from that nine months, I had an opportunity to share several times throughout the summer with our congregation. And I always loved sharing because God would tell me really awesome things and I'd get excited about it and then I'd share it with everyone. And the word of God just came to life for me. And so um, I shared several times that summer and then my pastor asked to meet with me. Mm -hmm. He was was our pastor here for almost 30 years. And he said, Nicole, he goes, I think you're supposed to be the next senior pastor at Valley Christian Center and i said, oh crap. <laughs> 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 because i still did not have a theological grid for why that was okay for me to do that. Mm-hmm. but i love jesus and i said, okay. all right, lord. i'll i'll do what i believe you're inviting me into. and that then we walked another 5 years out of my pastor just really coaching me and and leading me and and helping me. And we actually made that transition within our congregation where even though he served as our senior pastor, he had really passed of the, what does it look like? The culture of our church, he had really passed that baton off to me um, in many ways. Even though I was still serving, I didn't say this, I was serving as the children's pastor um, that entire time. So that was kind of my um, introduction into leadership in this place. But I really appreciate it because I don't have a whole lot of formal education of what things should look like. Mm -hmm. So it helps me be able to question things and then be open to things looking different because I really don't know any better. So anyway.
0: Well, real quick, I don't think I caught this part of the. Did I hear this right? That your husband said it Mm -hmm. and then it was like 10 years later that you got invited into it? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. That's amazing.
2: I, he, the Lord knew I needed that confirmation, and my husband needed that confer- confirmation, and so did our pastor. Because even though we're mm. part of a Foursquare movement, that's still a big, big wondering to ask your children's pastor to become the next senior pastor. I mean, that's kind of a big stretch. So,
1: so Nicole, in that process, like um, Ed, before the transition at Valley Christian, you were already walking a journey with VCC in reshaping how you saw church and and moving people out into more scent rhythms. Can you talk to us about that journey and what that's looked like for you and you stepping into leadership with that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a few years prior to that transition, our senior pastor at the time really started having this wrestling, this crisis of faith, for lack of a better word, but it was around how we did church. And what it came out of what he recognized is that he would watch the same people go to church in our community, but they would just go to different churches. (laughs) So basically everyone was just moving around and he felt like he wasn't seeing a whole lot of new salvations. Um, And so he began to question, you know, this kind of attractional model church, you know, why do we do what we do if we're not getting the fruit that we truly desire, which is to raise up disciples that are sent ones? I mean, that's always was a part of his language, but we weren't necessarily seeing it within our church because of the framework that we had established. Mm. So our pastor really began this transition, um, and it was really interesting because Uh, I had the opportunity um, a few years into this to do a master's program, and um, part of that program was our capstone project. And the question I addressed is, um, what does it look like for our congregation as we transition from an attractional model to a missional model church? And I found out that we went through all the similar rhythms that everyone goes, goes through. It begins with that crisis of faith. Then it goes to a real shrinking down in numbers. Like we, our numbers went way down as a congregation, which sometimes can be really disheartening. Um, When you're losing people, but what's actually happening is that you're getting a smaller group of people who have a similar heart Mm -hmm. to be sent out. And so it meant that we got rid of a lot of our programs. It meant that our calendar lightened. So we actually had space and room to do things outside of the four walls of the church. It meant that we changed our language um, and we don't come to church. We are the church. That there aren't just a few pastors and leaders that were all called into full time ministry, and what does that look like um, within your context? Whether it be the marketplace, at home, at school, or it could be within a church congregation, and it also meant that we made a shift for us personally to be by bi- bi- vocational. Um, I remember our uh, my senior pastor saying to me that he may be the last full time pastor that we have on staff at Valley Christian Center, that from here on out, all of our staff pastors would purposely be bivocational. And I completely agreed with him in that. And so all of of us, including myself, felt like if we wanted to ask our congregation to live missionally where they work and where they live, that we needed to do that as well. And so being locked in the four walls of the church with a full-time job makes it really hard to get outside the four walls. And so we, we've we made that shift on purpose.
1: Yeah, so that is really like a quick, like, you know, 30,000 feet view of of where you guys went. But I would imagine in that, there were some real sticking points and some real challenges and and times that you questioned or pivoted or, or had to unlearn. Uh, tell us about some of the the trials of that journey that you guys have been on.
2: Well, I think the, the biggest struggle didn't necessarily come in the change of belief system. Like that made sense to people. We knew the Great Commission, right? But the biggest struggle really has come, and it happens over and over again, when we recognize the gaps between what we believe and what we practice. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And there's, even though we have a desire to be a missional people, often we don't recognize what's causing us to have that gap between what we believe and what we do. Now, God is really good at helping us with that. And some of the things that I think have caused that gap are One, not really having a picture of what it could look like, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a reference of what it could look like, yet that can be a problem in itself because if you look at different models or different best practices, um, they can give us many great ideas of what it looks like to live missional. But our tendency as humans sometimes is just to copy what we see. Mm -hmm. And then again, it becomes a program um, and so just really um, taking the opportunity to hear lots of stories from each other and other places of what it looks like to live missional, but not getting locked into copying what someone else did. Another thing that I I, I think is causing a gap, and we're actually, um, it's kind of unfolding right now. One of the opportunities that we received as a church congregation is I applied for a grant through a local University Portland Seminary and received a grant about what it looks like for our congregation to thrive, and so we received funds for two years in a row based on um, what does it look like to be a missional people, and it's centered around our small groups, and our our gathering groups. And what we would do really well was we gathered well, we did good at inviting people in, but we really still struggled in going out, and so I. Feel like recently one of our gaps was really highlighted to us as, as a congregation because we have these funds. Uh, that are for outreach in our neighborhoods and communities that each gathering group gets to pray into and decide for themselves. And we are struggling terribly to spend that money. Isn't that interesting? (laughs)
0: Like
2: sometimes we think it's just about the funds. No, there's something else going on inside of us that we have the money, we have lots of ideas, and we're going to get there But it's just interesting because another gap has been exposed where we feel very strongly we're to move out and serve our community. We have the money to move out and serve our community. We even have a timeline to move out and serve our community, but we're still bumping up against that. And why is that? So again, it's just those gaps between what we believe and what we practice. Um, But with each gap, the Lord is undoing um, our belief systems um, and he's helping us do things outside of our box or our norm or what we've done or how we've done things in the past.
3: Yeah. I'm curious, uh, you know, how, how, how are you guys uh, approaching that challenge? Cause that, I mean, I think that's a challenge that probably a lot of our listeners would resonate with, you know, cause sometimes resource isn't the problem. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the the imagination. How do you how do you get people thinking and, and even executing? And so how how are you guys handling that? And and what's what's the process for helping kind of stir and move that on?
2: Well, part of pastoring our gathering groups is we have like a rhythm of support for our gathering group leaders, and so we meet every other month, um, and we talk about what is God doing, what do we want to see God do, and then we just walk through best practices or issues logistics that are coming up. So we just had a meeting on Sunday and that was the heart of our very conversation. Like we have this money to spend, what's keeping us? And so people just began to share ideas. And um, and I think it's ha- circling back around to that conversation and hearing how different people did things. Um, and even one of the, the ladies who's a leader of our group, um, she shared again this morning with me that out of that conversation on Sunday, what they landed on came out of something that we decided not to do as a congregation, but to do rather as a gathering group. And that's this simple idea. She's going to go buy detergent for her small group, um, rolls of quarters, um, dryer sheets, put them in bags, give them to the people in her gathering group and go, okay, I want you to pray about a time and which laundry mat to go to this week. And you're going to ask the Lord, where do I go and who do I serve? And so it's just having that conversation enough to something comes to the surface and she's like, she's on it today. Whereas on Sunday, someone brought that idea up and she kind of ruminated on it for a few days. And then today, she's like, I'm going to Winco today and I'm going to buy everything that I need. And that's very, you know, another gathering group, they did a block party. Like everything is so different, but it just takes a ton of conversation and trying things. And even being willing to, it doesn't work out maybe how you thought it would work out, (laughs) but not giving up and and keep trying to step out. But I'm recognizing that we as a congregation probably needed these funds more than the people we serve (laughs) because it's truly forcing us to move out and to serve our neighbors. Like it's forcing us to. And I think for every group, there's probably different reasons, whether it be fear, fear of rejection, or it could be a whole number of things. But I think we're all kind of facing those things individually and within our groups.
0: So Nicole, that that very concept you're just talking about, about the kingdom imagination and equipping people and letting people have that, it reminds me of a few, I don't know, a month, month and a half ago, we had our Forge National Gathering, the Forge American National Gathering. We all got together in just north of Dallas, Texas, and Part of it was we interviewed our hub leaders to say, hey, what's working, what's not working, all the different things. One of our hub uh, leaders uh, ended up talking about how they did something as simple as provide their congregation, their community with uh, boxes of brownies. And said, "Make these for your neighbors. Just go out there and do that." And it was just something as simple as that. You know, you're saying, "Hey, like laundry." Here's some brownies. And the funny part was, we had some Mennonites in Upper Pennsylvania who said, "Yeah, we've started doing the same thing, but instead of brownies, we've, we're starting to give away goats." <laughs> and to me, to me, I just lost it because I was like, "Yeah, that's the contextual difference between, well, I guess the Mennonites in Kansas and the Mennonites in Upper Pennsylvania." But it is. It's it's saying, "How can we have this permission to think outside the box?" box and, and do something that other people can get really excited about um, and, you know, give them the permission to do that.
1: So, Nicole, what I hear you say is uh, that you have been walking this journey and allowing people to fail and getting back up and trying to, it's been a constant conversation is what you've been saying, that this hasn't been a, a one and done process, but it's been years in the making. Um, and, and you've been at this as in leadership at Valley Christian Center for five years now, looking back over those five years, like back five years ago, you you are, um, you know, handed the full reins of vision and, and leadership uh, and you're ready to go. What advice would you give five years ago, you?
2: Um, the freedom to understand that uh, success is not what you think it is. <laughs> and I think I even hit a kind of a bump in the road for a while because I had this idea of success and it looks real specific, like salvations, water baptisms, like groups multiplying, like, and if I'm not hitting these marks, then it, are we still in this place where we're, we're not doing what we want to, and desire to do. And to recognize that no success is, hey, this person stopped and, 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 prayed with someone in the grocery store today. Like that's a success story. Like to try to take these kind of big ideas. Yes, we want to see people come to relationship with Jesus Christ, but recognize that it's a success when someone who is afraid to even approach their neighbor decides to go over and introduce themselves. That's a huge success. And so um, just really shifting that idea um, regards to success. And then communicating that to our church family because they have the same quote-unquote lofty ideas as well of what we want this to look like, to be the church in our community. And so um, if we just begin with kind of these baby steps and then also to give ourselves the freedom that what I see a success now is different than five years ago, and it will probably look different five years from now. So to just really give space and room to that, um, that the Lord defines what that looks like. Um, And is it still a success when we get to love people with the love of Jesus and they, they don't respond to it? I mean, is that still a success? Yes, it is. Like just undoing all of those ways of thinking that we've had around what it looks like to be the church.
3: Nicole, you know many of our listeners are leading kind of the prevailing model of church, and it's one of those things where you know they're you know for some they're they're in a in a in a place where things may not be super dicey. The, the things may be going well for them, but maybe they can sense the writing on the wall. And for others, they're kind of in really tough spots. You know, they're feeling they're 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 trying to you know make new wine skins and old wine uh, make new wine and old wine skins. and so. Uh, through that, they may have felt the Spirit's tug uh, to something new. And I think this is something that you have kind of gone out and led well. um, As they think through something maybe missional, uh, even though it might be frustrating, overwhelming, and slow, what would you say to those who are thinking through a journey like that, who are thinking, you know, maybe I need to move away from uh, an old way of thinking, an old way of operating, and adopt maybe a newer way of, of being the church?
2: I have a, a good friend that um, said that when she was first introduced uh, to this way of thinking as a church, she is also a pastor, that her heart and desire was just to burn the whole thing down. <laughs> and, um, and to be quite honest, I had a similar thought probably about six years ago. I, I was for the first time hearing that church could be different that it could be more of a missional model, which sounded really amazing to me because even though I knew I was called to lead the church, I did not want to run a large machine. (laughs) Um, Out of what my friend has shared and what I have shared, um, what we both have learned is that it's not good to burn it down and it's not good to throw that away because we're talking about people and how they walk out their relationship with Jesus. And their context. And so my advice would be to take it slow to begin to have conversations and to see who has that same desire as you do within your congregation, because it begins with a few (laughs) and then it diffuses, as we know, it diffuses out through the congregation. So that would be my advice. Take it slow, see who has a similar heart, Um, And ask the Lord, Lord, how do I bring everybody with me? Not that everybody has to come with me, but he will give every leader the wisdom that they need for their church congregation, for their church family, to know how to invite people into that conversation. And it could be around even the language they use or the experiences they share from, or even the people they invite into their congregation to share. Like we had... Brenna's husband, Joel, come and share several times to our congregation as we were kind of shifting from this attractional to a missional model. Um, but again, um, I so appreciate my senior pastor. He's, he um, has said, when you're making a change in your congregation to turn your turn signal on very, very early <laughs> and let people know that you are making a turn. And um, I felt like he taught us to do that well, that when we finally made that, that turn, we were able to bring many people with us. And the great thing is when you're making a turn like that, your your, your momentum is actually actually moving quicker than you think. <laughs> mm. But because you're turning, you don't realize it. But once you round that corner, you just take off. So um, take it slow, take people with you, and the Lord will give you wisdom for what that looks like in your in your church setting.
3: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the idea of even just starting with a remnant uh, and being able to just find it, finding a faithful few, because there's something powerful, right? There's something powerful in a small group of people who are committed to an idea. So yeah, that's such great advice.
1: Well, Nicole, thank you so much for taking time to join us and to share your story. I know that You know, you've got your uh, headphones with the Britney Spears speaker, and it felt a little funny to jump on and do this podcast with us. But your story and your heart uh, is just an absolute blessing to me and the ability for you to say Change what success is. It's okay to fail. Keep having the conversation. Keep growing, and it's about our formation. Uh, is so good. Um, you know, it's good for my heart to hear. It's good for our listeners to hear to be able to, to hear your story. So, thank you so much for joining us, and I can't wait to see you on Thursday at Pastors Conference. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank
2: you so much for having me. It's been an
0: honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Forge American Visional Podcast. Forge America cultivates practitioners who join in the mission of God. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.